0: Welcome to the fifth episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues developments, and topics affecting the law, and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this episode is Tom Castle, who started his career in the New York title insurance industry in January 1976, when he accepted a job with First American Title Insurance Company. Tom left First American in 1986 to start McGregor Abstract Company Corporation, which has issued hundreds of thousands of title insurance policies covering every type of real property, homes, commercial buildings, resorts, marinas, houses of worship, and farms. Please check out the show notes for Tom's contact information. Also, please keep in mind that we will not be providing legal advice to any specific questions. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay. So let's get right into it. We know that title insurance only relates to real property, that is land or building on land. So could you please explain to our listeners what is title insurance and why do New York property owners need it? Absolutely.
1: You're correct. It's all real property. And most real estate professionals are familiar with title insurance and how it works. It's a vital part of the New York real estate transaction. Many consumers, where they might have heard of it, they're not that familiar. If I explain the insurance part, that's easy. Insurance is a financial protection against something catastrophic. The title part of title insurance makes more sense if you change the word out for ownership, like ownership insurance. In a real estate transaction... The title insurance policy ensures that when you buy that property, you actually own the property.
0: So as I understand it, the title report confirms that the person who says he or she owns the property and then wants to sell it to a purchaser does in fact own the property, correct?
1: That is correct. Not only that they own the property, but also whether you own it free and clear or if somebody else has a potential interest in it. For example, past through real estate taxes. We let you know the status of those real estate taxes and we make sure that they're going to be paid before you buy the house.
0: So who needs title insurance, a buyer or a seller and why do you need it? The buyer purchases the title insurance and the buyer's
1: attorney is the one that usually orders it. Buyers usually are investing their biggest investment of their lives in order to buy this house. Uh, The costs involved, if you look at it, It makes it a no-brainer. And besides that, the attorneys are not usually comfortable representing a buyer that insists on going through the transaction without the protection of title insurance. Many attorneys, they're very well versed in contracts and transactions, but title is a very special niche and it's usually delegated to a specialist. Please also know that virtually every lender, every mortgage lender, who's going to lend mortgage money is going to insist on
0: title insurance. Okay, so now that we've talked about title reports, how does a title report differ from a lien search?
1: A title report is a document that's prepared with the attorney in mind. The consumer may understand it, but it's really prepared with the attorney's perspective. The report will identify who can sell or mortgage the property Along with all the information of any other people that might have an interest in it. For example, we just talked about pass through taxes, but it also pertains to mortgages that may be the seller made. Many of these items can be addressed before closing.
0: And does the report also identify utilities' rights to access the property?
1: Yes, it does. It identifies issues that cannot be removed, like an easement for the gas company to cross across the backyard or the electric company to service and maintain their poles and their lines. It addresses not only the seller, but it usually goes back 40 years, 60 years, sometimes even longer than that, to make sure that everything was done correct in the prior transactions.
0: Now let's talk about a lien search. Could you tell our listeners what that is, please?
1: A lien search is much less exhaustive than a title search. Usually, lien searches are ordered when you're dealing with the transfer of cooperative apartments. Where the seller doesn't really own the apartment building, the corporation does. A lien search will show you the last deed, so you know who the the co-op owner is. It'll show open mortgages and judgments that affect the property, but it does not go anywhere near as far as the title report, where it goes into easements or any other questions
0: in the back chain of title. Okay, thank you. So what are three tips you would give to our listeners as to which items they definitely need or do not need on a title report or in their title insurance policy? Okay,
1: let me address this by certain assumptions that I hear people make. Some people think that if they're buying the property from a friend or a neighbor or a relative that they might not need a title insurance policy. Uh, You do. Even if the seller has every good intention, we still highly recommend that you consult an experienced real estate attorney uh, and contact a reputable title company. If you think that it's expensive hiring the professionals to do this, if you think it's just too much money, consider the cost of fixing the co- the problems that might be caused by amateurs if they can be fixed at all.
0: Okay, what is another tip you have for our listeners?
1: Same basic thought that they are buying property maybe from a municipality. There are lots of ways that a municipality can come into title. If they're buying property through a foreclosure, uh, there are many steps that have to be followed very specifically in a specific sequence. We know how to go back and identify those actions, look at every single detail that's in it, and know that if something's not exactly right, we know if it's going to affect your ownership or not. Uh, So we review each and every one of these steps. It's vitally important. Sometimes somebody's interest might not have been cut off properly and they might still have a claim of some sort. We make sure that all that's resolved before you close.
0: That's good to know, especially when you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars or more on real estate. Now we're going to move to our weekly segment, What is on Your Desk? A recent file which you can use to illustrate a teachable moment to our listeners. So Tom, what's on your desk?
1: I have a very interesting transaction on my desk right now. I have a transaction where the seller is a mother and a daughter. They entered into a contract to sell the property to the buyer. At the closing, the daughter shows up without the mother. She hands us a recently executed power of attorney that was executed by the mother just two days before the power of attorney appoints the daughter to act on the mother's behalf. Now, this is a perfectly legitimate way to conduct business. But whenever we run into this, we have our own due diligence that we perform. We asked why mother is not attending the closing. The daughter says, well, mother's upstate and she couldn't make the trip. So we requested a telephone number where we could talk to her, where we could speak to her. She answered that mother wasn't near her phone. That sends up some red flags. Everybody has a phone these days. But after a series of questions, the truth comes out that mother was actually in a hospital upstate and she was in a room without a telephone. So we called the hospital, we got to the appropriate nursing station, and we started asking questions about mother. Their answer was appropriate. They can't discuss mother's medical condition. They can't even verify that mother is even a patient in the hospital. But when we told the nurses that we're trying to verify that mother executed a power of attorney, and it's being used today to sell mother's home, The nurse became much more outspoken. Mother could not have executed that power of attorney two days ago. Mother has been a patient here, and she's been in a coma for the last month. That power of attorney was no good. The buyer left without buying the house that day. I'm sure that they were disappointed. They probably gave notice to vacate their apartment. They probably spent money on on moving, and they left without their new home. But think of what could have happened if we didn't catch this. Or if the buyer thought that the cost of hiring a professional was not worthwhile, they could have bought this home and then sometime later when mother got better, there could have been a knock on the door and asked them, what are you doing in my house? In the title insurance arena, we call that complete failure of title.
0: Very interesting, Tom. So on my desk is a cooperative unit sale by an estate. We're close to closing, but have a problem which may delay the final transaction. I represent the seller who is the estate, actually the executor of the estate. The purchaser's attorney, ordered a lien search which shows open Department of Motor Vehicles violations. The executor visited a DMV branch and was given documents showing that no violations exist in contradiction of the lien search. As the descendant lived in Queens in New York City, Byer's attorney is now requiring that the executor obtain a document also from New York City indicating that no DMV violations exist. The problem here is proving a negative, as in there are no tickets or violations, so how can I prove that nothing exists? So, Tom, do you ever see problems on uh, lien searches or title reports which may not be correct?
1: Often. Uh, It's not unusual that when a problem exists, the seller is notified of it. They take appropriate steps to address it. But after it's addressed, there are steps, administrative steps, that have to be taken inside the city government, inside their departments, before it actually appears on public record. So where that lien search might be correct saying that these things do appear of public record, yes, they have been taken care of also, but it might take some time for them to appear. If we're dealing with a title insurance report, a title insurance policy, I can weigh the evidence and remove the exception. In a lien search, we often don't issue title insurance. That's usually an information report only, and it's up to the attorneys to decide what they consider reasonable evidence.
0: Okay, well, thank you for that. Then we have a few recent developments that we're following, and we'll briefly discuss each. The first involves an increase in transfer and mansion taxes. And um, Tom, I'll ask you first, do these increases in taxes apply to New York City, Nassau County, Suffolk County, or all of the above?
1: Good question. This was passed with the New York State budget on April 1st. Uh, It only addresses municipalities where the population is in excess of 1 million people. So that says New York City and no place else without actually saying that. But yes, it is a transfer tax increase, it is a mansion tax increase. Just so the listener knows, when the seller sells real property, they have to pay a transfer tax to the state. Historically, it has been $4 per thousand since I can remember now starting July 1st it will be increased
0: Okay. And, and you know what? We're going to leave it at there because I know that the incremental increases are very complicated. And certainly if any of our listeners have questions, they can contact you uh, via the show notes by email or by telephone. I want to move on to the decrease, which is surprising, in Suffolk County recording fees. Does this indicate a trend in reducing recording fees in general? Suffolk County added a
1: $300 per mortgage document fee a few years ago. On March 28th, they have reduced that fee to 2 They didn't give any explanation as to why, but frankly, Nassau and Suffolk County have some of the highest recording rates in the country. I would like to think that this would be a trend in reducing recording fees, but without me knowing what was in their thought process, I wouldn't anticipate that.
0: And just to clarify, these are mandatory recording fees, correct? These aren't things that a a buyer or a seller can opt out of. That is correct. Okay, so let's move on to the proposed legislation concerning the flip tax. What is it and whom does it affect? There
1: is pending legislation in Albany that will affect properties in New York City if it is passed. The proposed legislation would put an additional tax on people that buy houses, fix them up, and sell them shortly thereafter. The tax, if you sell the property in less than 24 months, is 20% of the purchase price. That's kind of steep.
0: Wait, the purchase price that the the person buying and flipping paid, or the sale price the, upon sa- sale? The
1: sale price after repairs,
0: after, after repairs. it's all fixed. Okay.
1: And I misstated. After... It's 20% during the first 12 months. Between 12 and 24 months, it's 15%. Okay. But quite frankly, I think this is if this was passed, I think it would have a lot of detrimental effect on the people that, that are involved in this industry.
0: Especially on in investors. People might, might be less likely to invest, especially if they're not going to re- recoup their investment.
1: And that represents a whole market of people that are buying homes that might be damaged, might need work, fix rubbers. Mm-hmm. Is this only residential property or also commercial? It affects all real estate in New York, if it's passed. It's not passed yet.
0: Okay, so residential and commercial. Thank you. And do you have any other comments to share with our listeners, Tom?
1: I would have one last comment. I like real estate. I like it as an investment, and I approve and encourage people to invest in real estate Not without some knowledge, not without some education, and certainly not without professional people supporting them, whether that be mortgage people or attorneys. I, I'd suggest that you go for this if you're thinking of it, but just have, make sure that your team is in place.
0: Okay, excellent. And McGregor Abstract is certainly there for our listeners. If anyone has a question, you can email or uh, or call Tom directly. And that's it for our fifth episode. Thank you so much, Tom, for coming on our podcast. That was so informative and interesting. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitchers, go- Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, please rate us hopefully five stars with a review that could start. It was serendipity that on the same day as I signed the contract of sale to purchase my new home in Massapequa, I was listening to the LI Law podcast and learned why I need title insurance. That's what I love about this podcast. I can find out what's going on in Long Island and hear helpful and positive tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.